Well, you can talk about films with a philosopher's zeal, or measure them all by box office appeal. But for once in your life, be real. You've been hit by a smooth-faced criminal. Welcome, one and all, to Be Real. It's your film-reviewing and potentially reappraising podcast. From Portland, Oregon, my name is Chance Solon Pfeiffer. And I'm Noah Ballard, and we're the guys. Yes, we are. You know? We're, we're the, the guys. Be, we're the we Be are. Real guys who helm Be Real. Yeah, we're, we're here to talk about movies and stuff. Uh, and other things in our lives. Sure. You know, maybe we'll like allude to like... Things that make us uncomfortable, phobias we may have, the anxiety disorders we've dealt with in childhood. <laughs> Who's to say? It's a lot of ethos that on this show. Sounds like a lot of Noah stuff. Chance stuff is more just like uh, I didn't do anything, or I really liked something. Um, That's what I like about you, though, and your and your podcast personality. It's like you, you're like an Anderson Cooper. Like we trust you, and like we know that there's pain there. Like of course. <laughs> But, like, never do we really know, like, what it is. Oh, man. What are you, more of a uh, uh, Keith Olbermann? I'm more of, like, a Keith Olbermann, like, Bill Maher type. Like, I really wear my politics on my sleeve. Oh, my God. Um, I think it's The Rush Limbaugh of uh, movie appraising. Not right now. I think that's a perfect segue into into an unnamed new segment we're trying, where we're just going to tell you a little bit about ourselves for a very contained amount of time. Thanks. Thanks for doing this. Keep it real. Think slow. We should get through it just fine. Little rider, Donnie. Donnie, little rider. Noah, how's your week? What's on your mind? My week was fine. Coming back from a, a pretty restful, uh, if exciting, July 4th long weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, work was pretty quiet. Sent out like three emails and got three like, how dare you email me on the Wednesday after the 4th <laughs> of July, you monster. Like, Great. please contact my assistant's assistant if you need like immediate uh, attention of any kind. That's what you get and for so, putting an effort in around the holidays. Yeah, so I got the, I like received the cosmic, like, go fuck yourself and, you know, did some reading, um, you know, took a, took an ice pick to my novel, you know, things like that. Very things good. You, you do to keep your, keep your body moving forward. How about you, Chance? Like, what did you get into? Well, I think the thing that I've got to share is that I went to see Jaws on film at the Hollywood Theater, beautiful hundred year old restored theater down the street. It's really ever any the only thing I've ever wanted to do in my entire life is see Jaws with 250 other people. Um, and then it was so much fun that my girlfriend Sarah and I went to Jurassic Park the following night, which is... That is... That's incredible. Amazing. Um, that's like... That's my dream two days. It's it's truly great. Can I tell you a few things I realized about myself? Yes. I've never confused myself for having like interesting movie taste, but the local theater doing the Spielberg run made me realize, like, oh, I just like Steven Spielberg movies. There's nothing, like, particularly 
esoteric or cool or varied about my taste at all. Um, I've seen Jaws a thousand times and watching it made me realize I still, there's still like a hard 30% of Captain Quint's dialogue that I do not know what it is. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I've seen Jaws uh, three times in theaters. Oh, you have? There's like a uh, aircraft carrier that's in the Hudson River that they sometimes play movies on top of. Wow. Yeah. And it was like on this like blown up screen thing. And it was actually kind of shitty, but like kind of weird, like watching Jaws, like as you were on a boat. And then there was like this weird, like punny, like laughter when it was just like, we're going to need a bigger boat. And, you know, like some asshole would like shout like, no, we don't, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. (laughs) Sorry, big boat. Yeah. Cool guy. Okay, let's run. Well, buddy, now that we're, now that we're riding. This has been great. I'll, I'll see you next time. No, please stay. (laughs) Okay. Um, Let's do this thing. Now that we are on the move. The category of film that we're talking about today is three movies, uh, teenage master criminals. And you can take issue with master, and depending on how old you think baby is, you could even take issue with teenage. But we're going to talk about Baby Driver, The Bling Ring, and Catch Me If You Can. What a fun genre this was. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a pretty good time for the most part. We'll get but there. We'll, start- we'll get to Bling Ring in a second. <laughs> Yes, but we'll start with something that's pretty entertaining. Uh, there's a lot of other things you could say about it, but Edgar Wright's Baby Driver, um, which did a hell of a business, which people people are just so excited about this movie. Yeah, but I can one see of that us is not. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so don't let Chance's enthusiasm in that introduction lead you to believe that I've like, we've talked about this ahead of time and I'm in total agreement with him. Like I have my, my faults with, I have my issues with baby driver. Yeah. Um, before we get into the issue, should we describe it? You go ahead chance since it's your, it's your baby. (laughs) It's my B A B Y baby. Um, so this is a new film from Edgar Wright who, uh, of course did, um, hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead and the end of the world, all those Simon Pegg movies. Um, Baby Driver is about sort of the in the grand tradition of that that mute, unflappable criminal who's sympathetic because you know he's not motivated by wealth or violence. He's just the getaway driver. He's a specialist with a job to do. That is the titular Baby Driver, as Noah might say, uh, played here by Ansel Elgort, who you know he might be twenty, but goodness, he looks seventeen. Um, Baby has an affliction where, as a child, he was in a car accident and got a hum in the drum, as Kevin Spacey, his... uh, Scott Tinnitus. Yeah, his crime boss uh, might say. Um, So he listens to his iPod all the time. And in the process of doing these getaways from bank robberies um, for criminals such as John Hamm and Jamie Foxx and uh, Alicia Gonzalez, um, he soundtracks it with his earbuds, He's got specific songs that um, are sort of loosely choreographed, like loosely choreographed themselves in the world of this movie. Um, And of course, he's prodigious. He's super, super good at driving. (laughs) So what is it you do? I'm a driver. Oh, like a chauffeur. Anyone I'd know? 
What is your name? Baby. Your name's Baby. B-A-B-Y, Baby. And then in this very uh, Americana way, he falls in love with Deborah, the waitress at a diner in quote-unquote Atlanta. Um, and he's yeah. falling in love at the same time as he's coming to the end of this string of jobs he owes Kevin Spacey because he like tried to steal Kevin Spacey's car when he was like 10 um, and so he owed him. So he's been driving him for a long time and like two more jobs in their square is where the movie starts. It's a noir of the highest order um, and nothing is what it seems. But it's pretty no- chipper for a noir. It is pretty chipper and it has like I think a pretty funny sense of humor. It's interesting because people have tried to describe it as sort of like a parody or like an extremely self-aware pastiche of the right. of the heist movie, but it really picks its spots with that, right? And when it picks them, it's quite funny, I think. For instance, there's a great like draw and talk that Kevin Spacey has on a chalkboard as he's explaining to Jamie Foxx who Baby is and like what his deal is. And then Kevin Spacey stands back from the chalkboard and you see all of a sudden he goes... <laughs> Look at this fucking thing. I drew this while I was talking. That's pretty fucking impressive. <laughs> Which is a great laugh. But it's right. not... Um, I don't know. It's self-awareness isn't like meta or anything like that. It's... Well, that's one of my problems with it, I think. Ah. And if we, we can get right into it. I think the fact... So we, I, I texted you a bit about this earlier. I think where it... It like touches on meta and like doesn't fully commit is like the same sort of problem that I had when I saw La La Land, and I'll explain to you this. Another film so, I loved, right? <laughs> La La Land, as I complained about, like I felt like you know it was like a musical, but then it like wasn't a musical when it like needed to just be like an indie film, right. and then it just was an indie film. Well, this movie, I feel like it's the same problem where like I've seen it compared to almost like musical choreography i think the new york times touched on that yeah you really like manola dargas's take i felt like baby driver was yes yeah, sort of like a really interesting take on a genre picture until it just needed to be like a run-of-the-mill action movie mm-hmm. and then it sort of fell like there was nothing inventive about how it played out you know like just sort of the it was sort of like the house of cards of like baby of like driving movies, uh-huh. you know, like it, it, it breaks the fourth wall in like certain funny ways. Like when he walks out after the first job and there's like, you know, like, Oh, the words from the song that we're listening to are like graffitied on the walls. And he's like spinning around things and jumping over other things in right. time with the music. Like it's all very cute. And like, yes, you made a good point via text that, like that's supposed to show like his normal and like everything else is like out of rhythm. Right. Which I respect, but I also think that's like a little bit of a cop out to say that you couldn't have had like more almost sort of like winky choreographed moments that might've been like sort of a nice style flourish when this movie like really wasn't like delivering on that level. I think I agree with you a little bit. I, I, I mean, I definitely register what you're saying. I think they, the choreographed moments become less and less evident, but they are still there. There's a great scene of an arms deal going bad where the whole thing is the gum, the gunshots are timed to a drum solo in tequila. And even at the very end, when John Hamm is firing his gun, it is 
a specific drum fill in Brighton Rock that's not like right. a tap, 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 tap. Um, so it's still there, but it is not right. as in your face, for sure. You're right. No, it is like... It does like do a lot of interesting things, doesn't it? Yeah. I did not dislike this movie. I like this movie a great deal. I just felt like where it could have been... Like, for me, it's like... Heat directed by Damien Chazelle or something. Yeah, like didn't or like necessarily... Sam Raimi and Damien Chazelle co-direct Heat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I mean, like Edgar Wright can have his style or whatever, and I think like you know I'm familiar enough with him to say that. But like you know, like we're like Shaun of the Dead, like in some places just like excessively gory for like no real narrative reason. <laughs> sure. Like this movie, like was never that you it's know, a little like cool it, for that. It's a little cool, but it's like it lacks that sort of like campiness that I think could have made it like a really great movie. I just wanted it to be like a tad more like fucked up in some way, but not too fucked up. Not like shoot 'em up or like the movies we'll do later of like what happened two thousand six, two thousand seven serious action movies. Yeah, it's. Like, it, weirdly, in a movie about, like, bank robberies, you know, th- the stakes felt pretty low because, like, you knew that everyone was going to be fine in the end that you, like, cared about. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, I suppose. Like, like the only the bad guy was going to get killed in this one. Right. But I don't know. Yeah, there was something about it. I'll have to see it again because it's probably fucking brilliant. And I just, like, don't want to love it for some reason. But... It's a, I mean, it could well be because everybody was just like, this is great. And then you went in thinking it would be great. And maybe it's just pretty good. I think it was more like I went in wanting it to be like, just fucking blow me away. Great. Because yeah. like it's getting these, it has these commercials where it's just like the film of the summer. Like yeah. just like pure joy, says Chance Soul and Piper, <laughs> you know, like whatever. Yeah. Um, but like I went in, it was like, okay, like I want some summer joy. Like, give it to me. And I don't know. Like, I really, I think I put a lot on Ansel Elgort. And he's, like, a fine actor. Yeah, should we talk about, Ansel Elgort is pulling something off here that is sort of illusory. It's, it's like, Heath Ledgerian. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Because he, if he looked a day older, you would be like, who's this asshole? But right. because he looks like a little kid who's just, like, loving himself as he goes about his day, you're like, okay, all right, guy, okay, all right. Well, that's, like, a fundamental question about this this genre of pictures, right? Is like, do you feel sympathy for, like, the said young person? Sure. Who's, like, doing all this horrible stuff that is otherwise, like, reprehensible. But it's for some reason, like, we're rooting for this, like, criminal i definitely felt for baby this movie ends in a pretty somber note too can we talk about the ending we can talk about the ending i mean and this ending is sort of like you kind of in my opinion when you tell stories like this you need this ending yeah um you need like some like three paragraph thing like literally at the end of catch me if you can or like the three paragraph like filmic epilogue sure um I mean, if you don't want it spoiled, skip ahead like three minutes. Um, so what happened, it's interesting because at first I was like, oh, because I wanted him to like Thelma and Louise it, right? But what happens is uh, he surrenders and goes to jail for, 
You get sentenced to 25 years with like a five-year parole option, but we don't know. Right. The movie just ends with him in his cell looking at the postcards that Deborah has sent him. Um, just having this, you know, l- you know, melding into the postcard and imagining meeting her outside the prison on the day he gets released. Um, which is less satisfying in some ways, I think, than Thelma and Louising it. Or if they had just like had their the end of drive kind of down the highway, the driver drives sort of symmetry. But it's psychologically more interesting. Certainly. The other like option it has is like almost like that's uh, gone in 60 seconds thing where they like the good criminal like somehow like exposes the, the big bad. Yes. And so like they're the hero. The moment where Kevin Spacey like doesn't turn on baby. Yeah. Like where he like says run and like I'll take care of this. Mm-hmm. Like that was like a really tender moment, but you also knew then that like no one was gonna get away clean. Yeah, it's true. Um, because he would have been the big bad. Who got he would have been the big. I bad. did like that about this movie. I really was not looking forward to seeing Kevin Spacey be like, "Sure, we're square, but I own you, and you'll have to fight me to the death." So watching Kevin Spacey do that would have been very boring. What I like about the end, and it sort of goes into my overarching theory of of these movies is I think with like the, the teenage criminal, you know, they're all dependent on like the protagonist looking at the world. Like it's some sort of fantasy. You know what I mean? And choosing to live in the fantasy while they're also trying to be seen in the fantasy. And like, that's what the, that's what the like sort of, you know, bending the world to the music feels like to me is like Ansel Elgort, like almost or baby driver looking at himself in a mirror and the other two movies sort of have that too but this movie is just like it's like it's a folk fantasy he he looks at his girlfriend like his mom he sees a car from the 50s the whole world he's living in is sort of like out of time it's like ipods and cassettes and just like the 20th century mashed together and it's all because like this kid doesn't know how to exist in the world well i feel like the the themes to the theme to all these movies is like Man, my like parents really fucked me up. For sure. And this is my this is my acting. Absolutely. Out. And that's all of three of these movies. Um, but this one in particular, like the the film pays like a, the only really flashback we have of anything is of this accident. He has like a fixation. He is like stuck in time. Yeah. Um, at the same time as he's sort of out of time, and just music. Life is a song, and music is his lifeblood. No, it is. It's. Do we need to say anything about the soundtrack other than it's like amazing? It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. It, it's it's unbelievable because it's like not. It's like just cool. Everything about this movie is so fucking cool. You know, what this movie reminds me of is like Brick. You ever see Brick? Sure. Yeah. Brick is like a movie that's so fucking cool that it's like annoying. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like this You're one's mad like at Ryan so Johnson. cool. I mean, like, I was so, like, when I was 17 and saw that movie, I was, like, so fucking blown away by yeah. it. I was like, this is the best movie. I mean, it's a really good fucking right. movie. But this movie is also, like, I think a really good fucking movie. Yeah, there's no, like, moment in the soundtrack where you're like, yeah, they would pick that song. Oh, yeah. No, this is, like, a sound. Like, if this were 1995, my God, this the original soundtrack would be selling crazy amounts. Oh, absolutely. And instead, I'm sure it's just doing, like, millions of Spotify streams. Are we ready to turn toward a rating, buddy? Yeah, no, I'm ready. Do you want to uh, go to the tape? Let's go tell the people how it's to done. the tape. All movies and most of life can be described with our rating system. The four categories are good, good, bad, bad, good, bad, and bad, good. 
The first good or bad refers to intellectual quality. The second is pure pleasure. Good good is easy, things that make you feel smart and happy, and that for both reasons you'd want to do again, like watching The Departed or Jaws or calling your pal to do a podcast with him. Good good movies make Noah say, Love that. Bad bad is easy too, things that bring you neither stimulation nor joy. Basically, you just wasted your time. Things like watching White Chicks or Wild Wild West, a conceptual double album of Christian pop punk. Bad bad movies make Chance say things like, I hated that. Good Bad, then, is something you recognize as worthwhile, but not something you enjoy. Schindler's List, Requiem for a Dream, most classical music, eating your goddamn vegetables. Good Bad is about being an adult, and these kinds of movies make Noah say... I mean, I'm glad I saw it once, but never again. Conversely, Bad Good is for your thoughtless inner child. It's Cheetos, it's late career Billy Joel, it's movies like Christmas Vacation... Honey? Kids? ...and Deep Blue Sea. Bad good movies make chance say, But it failed in such an entertaining way. Got all that? Now buckle up, because you're about to hear an opinion stated as fact. I mean, I do not think this is the best film ever made. It does not make great use of Atlanta, that's for sure. Like, that's just kind of a boring wherever metro. Um, It is, you know, it relies on cuteness. It relies on your investment in teenagers being like, you know, learning things from TV and saying them back to each other. So I admit that there are like weakish spots. Um, I really enjoy John Hamm in this movie, but his performance is ridiculous. It's horrible. They, <laughs> he's not a good. I don't think it's horrible. Like, I think if the if there's an acting like shortcoming in this movie, it is John Hamm because he's not a good actor. I think John Hamm only had Don Draper in I him. I think and that's overstating unable. it. I think the. No. I think it's that John Hamm is George Clooney. And he's like, and but he thinks he's no, like in play. No, I know you can never get rid of the ham. You can never like just like Clooney can never get rid of Clooney. But like, he's trying to do like a Johnny Depp part here. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So yes, I acknowledge there are weak points, but a resounding good, good for me. Resounding. Yeah, we didn't talk about it at all, but like, Jamie Foxx's performance in this film is like unbelievable like I would be totally unsurprised if he gets like a surprise best supporting actor nomination from this like he is creepy as shit he's great do you have a favorite Fox line um what do you got what do I got I really love the very simple Kevin Spacey goes that's my baby and he goes fuck your baby (laughs) (laughs) there's just so many great he he's just so good with like comedy and like serious because he'll he'll be doing like a Jamie Foxx bit. Yeah. And he'll be like like sort of coaxing you and like the characters on screen like along with him. And then like he gets to the edge of it and then he's like instead of giving you like a dopey punchline, he gives you an incredibly like incredibly frightening yeah. act of violence. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Um yeah, he's really good. Anyway, so where do you land? It's a good good. As much as I want to hate this movie, it's like really fucking brilliant. All and right. my problems with it are, it's just my own. It's my own stuff. It's my own complicated relationship with my All parents. Right. Well, <laughs> it's your own. yeah. Well, let's sunset this ride and uh, move on to uh, Bling Ring. Yeah, I would love nothing more than that. This is what, the 2013 uh, Sofia Coppola film? Based on... An article in Vanity Fair about how in real life, a bunch of a gaggle of teenagers in the Hollywood Hills uh, walked into celebrities' homes and 
took the shit for months at a time without getting caught. Paris Hilton's hosting a party in Vegas tonight. Where does she live? Do you think we could find a way in? I, I don't know. Come on, let's go to Paris's. I want to rob. I was in the 212 on the uptown. Awesome. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> So we just talked about Sofia Coppola's The Beguiled uh, the other week, right? We did. Um, and we both thought that was at least interesting. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I was higher on it than you. The Bling Ring, the Bling Ring, I think, is polarizing. The Bling Ring, yeah, it's definitely polarizing because it has... It's unclear, like, what the, like, did, did you find, like, your biggest problem with the movie was you weren't sure, like, what it was trying to tell you? And, like, you kind of yes. feared that, like, maybe it was something just horrible about, like, the youth of America? <laughs> Absolutely. That's a great way to describe it. I would say those things, and then I found myself wondering, like, is this even really a movie? Right. Like, it was just, like, a sort of documentary realism, like, reshot movie of this like true story so our entry point to this movie is mark um played by this guy what's his name israel broussard sort of an unknown i haven't seen him in anything else um right he enters this school for like delinquent but like rich white kids and meets immediately uh this girl rebecca played by katie chang and they're just, like, hanging out, doing, like, rich, spoiled, white kid things. They're, like, going to beach parties. They're, like, going to clubs. They're in Southern California. And so Rebecca sort of, like, at a party one time, like, breaks into a car and, like, goes through the person's wallet that they've left in, like, the console. Yeah, just a total, like, weird klepto Klept- Yeah, thing. it's like a klepto-impulsive thing. And then it gets, like, as each scene goes on, like, it gets a little bit, like, more dangerous. Like, then they start, like, going through people's cars to, like, find their addresses because they, like, know they're not home because the car is at the party they just came from. And then they, like, steal, like, unnoticeable spoils of these houses that they break into. Right. And... It gets more and more severe until they start breaking into, they like start going on gossip websites and seeing when celebrities are like shooting films or like uh, at like openings of things and like when they won't be around and they break into these, these celebrities houses. They famously broke into Paris Hilton's house, uh, Orlando Bloom. Um, Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. And I was reading a little bit about this movie. Most of the, the shooting was actually done like in their houses. Sure. Why not? And that's like kind of funny. That's what is kind of funny about this movie too, is because like there's a scene where these like young soon to be like Emma Watson and like, uh, Tessa Farmiga is like in a lot now too. Um, but like having them as like young sort of Hollywood women. And then like you're, they're in a scene where they're at a club and then like Kirsten Dunst walks by and you're like, what character is Kirsten Dunst playing? And then <laughs> someone whispers to the screen, like it's Kirsten Dunst. Cause it's like, this is the real world. Yeah. It's like, well, who's Emma Watson? Like if this is the real world, cause you know, were you surprised? I really felt like James Franco should have been in this movie. That That's what given I have <laughs> from moment one compared this movie to a, like more say, like a more steady, uh, spring breakers. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without like the Harmony Corinne madness. Right. 
Well, it's but, very. It but has this movie kind of needed that, right? I agree. It has that Sofia <laughs> Coppola thing that we just saw in The Beguiled. I mean, The Beguiled set in 1864, so like the women often carry themselves a certain way. But this is still a very like surprisingly not sexual, surprisingly like not very. It's not body. No. And I think it could have used some bodiness. Yeah. It's a very polite movie. Like For the no only thing reason. that's not polite are like this, like the music cues. Oh God. They're just like very loud, like boisterous, like sort of pop. That Slaybell's song, "Ground on the Ground." Ugh. Not, <laughs> oh Jesus! Not my speed. Never needed to relive that. Um, but yeah, I think there, there's like a key component missing to this movie where like they descend into madness. Could yes? Could that key component be like a script? Yeah, this is very like mumbly, like, oh, now we're in the car. Now there's like a bag of cocaine. We're not actually going to like do the cocaine, but now the cocaine's gone. Right. And like, we are keyed up. Yeah, it's like Goodfellas in like 13 minutes. Right. But that's the thing, too. This movie is so afraid to be like long and weird. Yes, it's true. Like, there should have a hundred percent been a sexual component to this story. Like, there's no way. Right. That, like, there wasn't some, like, weird sex thing that happened, like, in this story. Like, in real yeah. life. I don't understand why it, yeah, it feels the need to play it so safe about, like, some event that was so, is so bizarre and sensational to begin with that you can't blow it out to a two-hour-long movie and make it right. crazier. It's sort of like a, yeah, it's like Sully for these girls. <laughs> Yes, well, would you ever <laughs> want Sully about these girls? Well, it's the thing, it's like weirdly too, like it's not a bad movie, but it's like weirdly too safe and kind of like, in, but this one doesn't even invent like, you know, like this FAA investigation or whatever. <laughs> like, it's just like, nope. And then they got caught yeah. and then they like, nothing really happened. Right. Well, they went to jail for a while. Um, yeah. yeah, my problem, my big problem with this movie is that like, part of me feels like, I was watching it and I was like, oh, is this like clueless like 20 years later? But like we just see how far like socially speaking our youth have like crumbled into like a ho- valuing horrible things. But it's not like clueless because there's no script. They go 20, they'll go 15 and 20 minutes without saying anything they could be could could be construed construed as satire. They yeah. could be construed as even revealing about their characters. Right. Yeah. I had this moment where I was sitting watching it on the t on like my TV and mm-hmm. sitting there with my girlfriend, and it's the shot where it's like the webcam shot of Mark just like bopping around, like feeling right. good. Yeah. And like after the first like three minutes of it, I was just like, yeah, this is kind of boring. <laughs> It's kind of a boring shot. Yeah. There there are some good shots, though. I'll give it that. I do love the shot uh, where they kind of, like, creep across the dusk. Yeah. Like, right across frame. That's a great shot. Um, This movie calls for a lot of, like, like weird night shadow shooting stuff. Yeah. And it's sort of... And I think because of the cinematography, like, that's why it maybe, like, holds up as a first good movie. Yeah, it's... It's definitely aware of its like trashiness, but it, like, is it also aware that it's a completely empty film? Right. That's the thing. Okay. My question is, do you think that Emma Watson's performance is like a goof or do you think it's like 
unintentionally horrible because it's it's bad. I, buddy, I think you could ask the same thing of the movie, of the whole movie. But right. particularly that performance, I... I just it like think she is seem like she's super aware of what she's doing. Yeah. It's like watching Maybe that makes it really good. I it was almost know. like watching Hermione Granger, like take an acting class and be told to like now play like the, the rich apathetic girl. I want to rob. That I want to rob. That was a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, who was it? It was chaos and Collins from the ringer wrote a piece about the beguile that I really loved. Yeah. yeah we yeah. kind of talked about like how, it was called titled like in praise of Sophia Coppola's myopia. Right. Um, where it's just, he, and he pointed out the great thing I didn't notice in the movie, which is just like, you know, that you have these girls who are locked away basically in this house and some of them, they even look at the world through a spyglass from their roof. Like they, their view, they have tunnel vision about the world. And lots of people have been like, well, Sophia Coppola relates to these people who come from this sort of like palatial privilege Right. And I think that she, in this case, and the Beguile is super interesting because I think she sees things that are detestable and also things that are relatable. In this movie, it's kind of like she relates to these, like maybe these were girls that she knew, but like she doesn't really try to send them up at all. No. She's uncomfortably like ambivalent about what they do. It's just, it, it, it feels so like inward facing that it's almost like not even for me didn't you feel like this movie is like not like really for you because it's sort of like in jokey that's the thing it's like it's looking in and she there's just something ironic about the fact that like she probably used all of her contacts to film in the houses of her friends who were robbed she's making a movie about these girls who robbed her friends yeah like and that's a weird place to be for sure (laughs) for sure oh so that's what you mean by like it's inward looking like it looks into this life that none of us have access to, but doesn't contextualize it. Right. It's not like Sophia Coppola, like read vanity fair and was like, Oh, what an interesting article. Right. It was like, no, no, no. Like this, there's the source material. Here's the framework. Like, this is something that like happened to people. I know let's make this movie that happens to like, look like a lot of her other movies about bored girls and privilege. who just like, want something to do. And here comes a boy. (laughs) But then again, as we turn towards a rating here, yeah, this movie is like kind of fun. I there's disagree. like something like there's something like porny about it. It's like it's like cribs with a narrative. Ugh. And there's like something kind of like cool about that. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, it's like lives of the rich and famous. Like, and the tour guides are people who broke in, and they're gonna steal things, and they have no like. They'll open up any drawer. They'll like look at anything. Like, what's in this drawer? Oh, it's more jewels. What's in this drawer? It's a cash hoard. Sure. Who's that guy? Oh, it's just someone I know. Who's that? It's my 12-year-old sister. Right. And we're all here, and we're just going through famous people's things. Yeah. It was just like a long, boring, but like not that long and not that boring, like Dawson's Creek episode or something. The one where they get three to five. Now you're talking your own language. So what do you rate it? I'm going to have to say this is bad good. Okay. Low quality, but watchable. Yeah, I think if you just like put it on, it's like, it's a little Kardashian-y. Like, I feel like 
if you're into that kind of stuff, that celebrity looking, which I claim to not be, but this is my one chance. Um, <laughs> I was kind of into it all, all shamelessly. It's shameless. It's from your, from your inner child. It's Cheetos. Don't say it's Lake Ripley, Joel. Let's move on to my rating. Um, Did I tell you that Down Easter Alexa is my third most played song from last summer? <laughs> Not from 1989, but 2016. Yeah, like uh, Spotify has this this playlist right. now on my Discover page. It's like, last summer's hits. And I was like, oh, who's like who's whose hits were these? And I clicked on it. And it's like, this is just all the shit I listened to on repeat last summer. Oh, my God. That's weird. I think that this I have also stepped up to the the keyhole of looking into this uh this dashian world and I've recoiled. I find that like the mockumentary in this movie is only there to get you in and out, so that's deeply wanting. That's like that's like using voiceover for to only to get in and out. I think that's pretty lazy. I think that it's like a heist movie with none of the process fun that makes that routine enjoyable. Because they have no process, they're sort of just like right by the by the luck of some. But like you get to see Paris advantage. Hilton's nightclub room. What do I give a shit about that for? That's someone. That's a real person that like has that I room. Don't ca- I don't care in real One life. One day Why I'm gonna I have now my nightclub room. Yeah, man. I just I found this to be like just barely a movie and like a pretty empty exercise. So it's a bad bad for me. Wow. Yep. Can't can't put a finer point on it than that. Mm-mm. Shall we? Uh, shall we get to catch me if you can, Noah? Should we go back to two thousand two? Yeah. Did you have that moment too? Where what was the last time you've seen this movie? Because you've definitely seen this movie before. Oh, I've seen it a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, me too. I watched it when I was at home like four weeks ago. Nice. And you watched it again. I sure did. That's amazing. Yeah. But was there a part of you when you like clicked on it's on HBO? Yeah. When you clicked on it on HBO and it was just like, it's like 200 something minutes or like two hours and 32 minutes or something. And you were just like, buckle, like giddy up. Like, yeah. let's do this because Catch Me If You Can, if, if I recall correctly from several weeks ago, is an incredible movie. <laughs> I agree. It's, it, it is one of my favorites. Um, it's almost like a mini series. Like it has a mini series worth of, like you wonder if this these kinds of properties were sort of developed today if it wouldn't just be like a netflix series oh without a doubt i you don't have to wonder i think so yeah um yeah it has oh my god john williams going back to work with that two note scores yeah and this is like spielberg gold right here it's like period piece family dynamics like weird dad situation coming Mm -hmm. into this so we open with um Frank Abagnale Jr., yeah. played by, of course, Leonardo DiCaprio. Special Agent Hanratty, FBI. Hello, Carl. You're gonna get caught. It's like Vegas. The house always wins. Some nuts flying around the country posing as a pilot. Call him the James Bond of the sky. Hello, pushy. This is by far the best date I have ever been on. He's a kid. That's why he doesn't have a record. 30 milligrams of codeine every four hours. Do you concur? I concur. Dr. Harris. Yes? Do you concur? Concur with what, sir? And then we flash back even further to how it all started, which is... He had this great life, Leo. His dad's Christopher Walken. I'm not sure the actress who plays the mom, but she's great. She's wonderful. 
Um, and he's got this great life uh, in New Rochelle, a suburb of New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, his father owns like a profitable or a seemingly profitable stationery store. The mom is a stay-at-home mom, and like they met during the war. And this like really cute, meet cute story of like the he was an uh, an Allied troop. He was overseas, uh, Christopher Walken, and they were at a French village and the people in the village put the a show on for them. And like this woman walks in and he falls for her on the spot and like brings her back to America and right. they've lived happily ever after. Or so it seems. Yeah. It's sort of this, this incident where you realize that the father is just very charming, but he's not very good. And like he owes money and then it comes up pretty quickly. There's like an IRS lien on him or something. Right. And things start to deteriorate in the home life. There's some funny episodes with him, like, interacting with public school. You know, like, sort of the... He falls from grace, this family. And they move into a smaller apartment. And then, like, the mom's having an affair. And they're getting divorced. And in this, like, pretty harrowing scene that I don't really understand, like, if there ever would be a situation like this. (laughs) This is a true story, though, or so the Mm -hmm. movie claims. Mm -hmm. This, like, lawyer named Dick Kesner... Makes Calm down, him, William. Dick Kessner. Calm down. Son, I'm Dick Kessner. <laughs> As though that's supposed Put to be Put down your job. things and follow me into the next room. And then he, like, gives him this weird... Like, he talks to him like he's, like, a, an infant. And yeah. he's like, this. read this paragraph right here on it. We'll stipulate, like, who you're going to live with. And then Leo's like, I don't get it. What does it mean? And then they're like, your dad or your mom. Frank, like, it's there's not, no right answer. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, instead of writing down mom or dad, he runs away to New York City right. to take his chances. And it's 1963, so like, well, this is the question for me. Mm-hmm. He runs away, and nobody from his hometown, like his parents do not give a fuck. Right? Like, they don't give a fuck at all. Like, they're kind of happy that, like, not even happy, they just, they move on. Like, they, they, it seems like they've suffered a trauma of him leaving, but they, like, never made an effort. At least the movie doesn't, like, specify. They made an effort to, like, find him. It's true. Which is bizarre. But anyway, he's, like, begging for money and writing bad checks and, like, sort of goofing off. And then he realizes that if he, like, becomes someone who's sort of, like, just universally trusted yeah. that people will let him do more things just like this on is his... a movie about shining a light Noah yeah a hundred percent yeah it comes to pass that he decides to be an airline pilot and he but he just doesn't he doesn't really like fly planes or anything he just wears a suit and he uses his like uniform and his like fake ID badge to like cash payroll checks that he's like using to like steal money from Pan Am or the bank or whom I, right. I'm unclear who's being like robbed here. I guess it's the Both. bank, but yeah. And he's writing bad checks, but nobody ever like calls him on it because he's like this guy that's trusted because he's an airline pilot and it's the sixties and that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, we so we follow him for the next like five years as he changes jobs. And yeah, and he like cons no, everyone he meets. Whatever the whatever like the moment calls for, like that occupation can be done. But then he quickly. Well, let me ask you this, Chance. Yes. Did you in this viewing like think about it all, like how early it is in the process that he's like, yeah, I'm out, and like give like that scene where he's on the phone with Carl and he's like, I'm in three one one three in the Stuyvesant Arms. And he's right. like, he's there. Yeah. 
like that's pretty early in the movie before he's even like really stolen a lot of shit or I mean he hasn't really I mean I guess he's gone like interstate but he hasn't like left the country like he hasn't and like he wants to get caught that's the thing like he wants to he's looking for that like paternal attention yes absolutely um the loneliness catches up with him fast here's my can i relate this back to my baby driver point do it this is a movie again about I think that scene of the the parents dancing, right, and telling the Montrachad story that they've heard so many different times is so crucial in this movie because you see that he has been inundated in this post-war fantasy, right? Right. Like the ideal, like, mo- dad was a GI who brought mom back from France and now we live in a suburb of a giant city and we have a, a small business. It's the, it is the American dream. Right. Um, yeah, the small business he, that pays for everything. And- then he kind of realizes that the man he admires most and American society is kind of a con and he becomes the living embodiment of that con, which is just, he walks around and survives based on the pinstripes. People cannot keep their eyes off the goddamn pinstripes or the fact that he's wearing a pilot's uniform or the fact that he is a doctor or the fact that he has the trappings of being a lawyer. Right. He just like gets by on uh, this simulation of like America. And I love it. So much. And it is, again, about being seen. He, Him being seen by others. It's interesting, yeah. And what's interesting, too, about this movie is the amount of times that he tells the truth. Yeah. Like, he doesn't lie that much. Like, he only really lies about, like, the, the fraud itself is a lie. Right. And, like, the uniform is a lie. And, like, the his charisma is a lie. But, like, even in the scene with Martin Sheen, he's just like, I'm not... A lawyer i'm not a doctor i'm not even an airline pilot i'm just a man who's in love with your daughter but i think at that moment he sort of like becomes beguiled by like his own charisma and his own artistry and believes that he's like can just live this life with this other this other family that he's always wanted that's true because that's the only moment when he's really frantic right like is when they show up to the wedding it's not like you know, he comes out of the bathroom and he, like, manages to not only get away from the FBI, but take his equipment with him. Right. Like, this is a moment where he's just, like, scrambling to put money into a suitcase and, like, go out the window. I mean, and just the the Hanks DiCaprio star power, but also, like, acting, like, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, just really- how much great acting is on screen. How much, like, pop acting is on screen. It seems really obvious to talk about, like, how they're tied together, right? Like, this ends up being a story of, like, two men so obsessed with a chase they can only really know each other, right? That's pretty obvious. But I love the way that the filmmaking, like, brings them together and then contrasts them. Uh, I loved... I'd never noticed it before. I've seen this movie so many times. The first time that Frank tries to write a bad airline check and he can't get the checkbook out of the pocket because he doesn't know the, can't feel, doesn't know the uniform's feel... You know what I mean? Right. He's at the hotel desk and the clerk is like, what is wrong with this like cool as ice guy who like cannot extract his wallet from his pocket? (laughs) But then later on, it's like when Carl first tries to get his revolver out to track down Frank, he cannot unholster the thing. And you have this moment where like, oh, wow, both of them who are so committed to this life, but like they're not perfect at it yet. They are both pretty new to this kind of flat out run. 
I mean, this movie has been like, I think pretty criticized as like not one of Spielberg's best and also like a pretty dark turn for him. But I think like the little did people know Munich was coming. Yeah. Well, Jesus. And like minority (laughs) report gets a bad rap, but I don't think we've ever talked about that one. We'll save that for, save it for another day. Um, but I think this movie is like pretty good, right? Like it's dark, but it, it's dark, but it like holds its hand well. And it like plays the darkness. Well, you're rooting for him to like get into like, you know, things. Your rooting interest becomes very complicated by the end. Right. Because on the one hand, you know, this is based on a true story. If you don't want spoilers for this movie, go watch on HBO and come back. Um, He ends up working for the FBI. Right. Right. Because, of course, he has this incredible breadth of knowledge about forging checks. But there's part of him doing that where he comes back and you think maybe he's flown the coop again to continue this life. And he comes back and there's part of you that's like, you know what? Way to grow up, buddy. And I think the movie thinks that. I think the movie's like, Mm. way to grow up, buddy. But there's this other read on the movie that maybe I have because I'm immature where I'm just like, that's one of our last great criminals sitting at a fucking desk. You right. know, like the, the end of Fargo season two, it's kind of like, it'd be like if Billy the Kid developed like some software to help sheriffs pinpoint cattle rustlers. Right. <laughs> like it's, it's kind of sad if you're in yeah. it for the adventure of it all. Yeah. And that's why the, like the epilogue to this movie, which is really more like a fifth act, yeah. um, is so good. And like, there's a, there's a fun play back and forth between Hanks and, uh, Frank and DiCaprio um, about like the way they've sort of deluded themselves. Right. Like it, like the game became more important than living like a life. What scene is that you're talking about? The, when they're on the jetway, when he's just like, Oh, I was going to go see my daughter, but like she's on a ski trip and he's like, your daughter is four years old. And it's like, well, both these men are so caught up in the game that like a, like Leo didn't realize that that was like years ago. Yeah. And B, like Hanks didn't say that it was, he it was years ago. He just still thinks of her as a four year old daughter right. because they That's both true. they're both shitty people. They're just on the they're both players in this game though. Yeah, of like good guys versus bad guys, which is like a very familiar trope of like any sort of justice based television <laughs> or movie. <laughs> yes, but I think it's played like. It, it's played very well that like yes. the movie, the movie doesn't focus too much on it until like you get to the end and you sort of know what it was worth. It's obvious that they're bound together, but it's not like not annoyingly. So, you know, like Frank right. never, there's never like Frank telling Carl, like, you know, we're not that different Carl. Like the movie never stoops to that. In fact, there are still great moments of editing um, that is are meant to emphasize their differences late in the movie. I love the the come fly with me montage, which is one of the most memorable of the whole movie. It's like what right. I think about when I think about this movie. You have the juxtaposition of Carl Hanratty being like, and make sure you sweep the men's lavatory every 30 minutes. Cut to Frank basically judging a beauty contest. You right. have the ultimate sort of like stickler versus magician pairing. Well, there's like a lot of these good sequences where he'll be doing something like very fancy and like Tom Hanks will be like seeing that all of his white shirts have been stained pink by this like woman's red sweater. Whereas like he's getting cut like the James Bond suit like to his body. Yes. You know, I think 
that's ahead. another good moment because it reminds you that he's 17. Right. That he's like a he is a kid who like he's wants Kevin McAllister, like you know, <laughs> once he's convinced the hotel that like they spy on his father naked and he's going to take the limousine <laughs> and get his very own cheese pizza. Oh man. That's funny. Um I feel like this movie as good as it is, the, the sad thing about it is that like it's maybe the last good Spielberg movie. Yeah, I think it's the last. I think it's the last great Spielberg movie. Maybe I think last- Munich is very good. I'll have to watch Munich again. But um, it's like Munich's impossible. But it's like the it's the last great like Spielberg like blockbuster like family movie. It's yes, it's like the last one where it feels like he's. I'm just doing it. I'm just doing me, and what he's doing is incredible. All the ones after that are kind of like Spielberg, like either just doing him, and it's like you're an old man, or else trying very hard for something. Yeah. Did you have a moment in the last shot of this movie where it like pans out to show you like the whole FBI office, and they have like 200 fucking extras like doing like FBI stuff that you're just like, you know, they're gonna give you way too much money to make the terminal. <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna ask for way too much money to make the terminal, and they're gonna give it to you. Oh my god, the terminal made a lot of money though. Yeah, I think Um, the terminal is actually like kind of nice. Oh, the terminal is definitely kind of nice, but it's not like a great film. No, 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 but it's very like soothing. Yeah, I think this movie's great. I I think it's really. I think it's um, the star power is amazing. The story is great. It feels like again, like everything Spielberg is trying is working. He's just yeah. on a hell of a hot streak. And it's also it's also great Jan Kaminsky. We talked about Jan Kaminsky's short fallings with uh, Bridge of Spies. Right. But in this movie, he really has a way of taking this sort of um, movie that's like as big as Boogie Nights, but also like finding your way into scenes with like sudden motion that makes this- the 220 not feel that long. There's this incredible shot that starts with, it's like a door that says... Uh, bar exam and then it pans to a clock thing like going back and forth that is showing the reflection of Leonardo DiCaprio checking in which then without cutting pans to a picture of his mouth saying that he'll like be fine or whatever yeah as he walks into the room that like was an incredible like Spielbergian like let's pan across the room and like the weirdest direction we can find Totally. I think that's a great example. And, you know, in our rating system, when you have these kind of two and a half hour, like, uh, rise and fall epics, I guess, the only way to make them really watchable is to just demarcate the scenes incredibly and trick you into thinking it's not very long. And this movie is great at that. And this one, like, maybe it doesn't have, like, the greatest hang, but it definitely, like, has that collection of short stories to it. For you sure. know, like, here's the tale about the time that, like, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio paid Jennifer Garner for sex. Right. And he you had the $1,000 note, but he decided to go with the 1400 one to make it's 400 almost bucks. Like, right. It's almost like a, like a joke that, like, con men tell each other. Like, did you hear the one about yeah. how the, the con man made 400 bucks off the prostitute? Yeah. Um, I think this movie's great, great. Truly. Oh, certainly. Truly, one, it's one of my favorites. Good, Again, good. When I said I don't have interesting film taste, it's because there's four Spielberg movies in like my top ten favorite films. 
I, I think, like, I mean, no matter how bad, as, like, some Spielberg movies will, like, inevitably be, um, he has made some of, like, the, like, f- most watchable and also, like, just good movies. He, like, knows what a good story is. Oh, definitely. Like, sometimes he has trouble, like, adequately telling the story. Right. But, like, when he figures it out, like, when he really, like, he knows what a good story is. So what's our takeaway of this genre, Noah? Do we have takeaways? Um, parents can do a lot of damage sure. to their children. Um, when you're not worried about college, you can do a lot of cool stuff. Um, yeah. To, to delay adulthood. It was a lot easier to, like, rob people in history. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Whether 2013 or uh, 1963. Yeah. Yeah, and before alarm systems. Before like before like basic alarm stuff. <laughs> before simply safe. This it was like a time where they sold bank machines like at auction sales. Yeah. And told you like how good they were and how you could what you could use them for. Right. You could even defraud the, the banks if you want. <laughs> well, folks, you can find past episodes of Be Real at berealpodcast.com. Listen to us on SoundCloud, listen to us on Apple Podcasts. We're all over the place. Twitter, Facebook, if you'd like to interact or, you know, see some of the funny extracurricular shit that we tweet. And some of it's funny. Some of it's drivel. But thank you as always for listening. Noah, my friend, my accomplice. Is that me? I think so. I would have loved to be like a teen criminal with you. (laughs) I'm not sure we would have been very good the hang would have been great though (laughs) the hang would have been great as we like got thrown in lockup over and over again but so many good like bits alright pal sir this has been such a pleasure be well be well